Somjay noticed a change in the aroma within the temple. The fragrant jasmine was replaced by something that he'd come across before. It smelt similar to the sweet nutty scent given off by cakes at the village bakery. Almonds. However, he knew this wasn't cake, but something more modern and far more sinister. The wispy curls of vapour emanating from essence sticks suddenly erupted into large plumes of smoke. Somche cried out, clasping the holy box to his chest. The other monks now got to their feet, rushing towards their prime master. Confusion reigned as one by one the coughing, spluttering monks fell to the floor. Somche fell against the golden statue of Buddha. Unable to see through the haze in the now smoke-filled temple, he could hear his brother monks coughing and convulsing, fighting desperately for their lives. He clutched onto the holy box as darkness enveloped him. A hooded monk then came over to his lifeless body, prizing the small golden box from his hand. The assailant put the holy relic in his tunic pocket. He squinted through the smoke at the blurred orange-clad figures of the monks, now either dead or convulsing on the marble floor. One monk in particular caught his gaze. He stared for several moments, until the monk's body ceased all movement. He made his way to the back door of the temple. Once outside, he removed his S-16 respirator, and took a gulp of fresh air. He took off his robe, revealing a camouflage undergarment. He bundled up his robe, along with his remaining cyanide flares. Tying the parcel to his back, he took a deep breath, and ran off towards the jungle. With the back door of the temple left ajar, there was a dull thud as the other hooded monk came stumbling outside. He had used his robe to filter the gas and held his breath as the deadly cyanide gas billowed out around him. Somehow he had found the strength to run out of the gas stream into the fresh air. Letting out his breath in a loud throaty roar, he inhaled, deeply filling his lungs with air. Still wheezing, the monk bent over and vomited. Turning his head, he saw the figure disappear into the jungle, and then collapsed, unconscious. The silence was broken by a high-pitched screech, followed by several beeps, and a hand emerged from underneath a bundle of blankets slapping the top of an alarm clock. Stu was awake. He mumbled, farted, scratched his gonads, and rolled out of bed. He made his way over to the light switch. "'Bloody freezing!' he thought. "'But never mind!' This time tomorrow I'll be basking in sunshine. He looked over to an armchair, where a bundle of fur lay staring at Stu as he switched on the light. Come on, lazy dog, get your useless carcass up, said Stu. You're going on holiday. Stu took a hot shower, pulled on his jeans and a thick shirt, and made himself a cup of tea. He opened a tin of dog food, which he scooped into a bowl. Leaving Chunky with her snout buried in the food, he went into the living room. He sat in his armchair and went through everything in his mind. Bags packed, check. Tickets, passport, travellers' checks, check. Condoms, check. Dog food, 16 days' supply, check. Train tickets, check. He knew that he had forgotten something, but couldn't think what. Then he realised, Shit! He got out of his armchair and raced off downstairs. Spark, are you awake? He bellowed through the door of the downstairs flat. "'Yes, matey. I'll be up in ten minutes.' Spock, real name Peter Harris, was around Stu's age. With his large build and shaven head, he resembled a large primate. 
he had been given his nickname at school because of his uncanny resemblance to Star Trek's resident Vulcan. He loved his single life, loved the parties, and loved his work as a hygiene engineer, a dustbin man. The pair giggled like naughty schoolboys on the train to Manchester Airport as they planned for the two weeks of debauchery in the land of smiles. Little did they realise their lives were about to change forever. <laughs>